Welcome to a side questy episode of Men of Low Moral Fiber. I am your host, Ben Helms, and with me, as usual, is my freelance police loving brother, Jason Helms. Just a quick intro today. How goes it, sir? Goes pretty well. Uh, uh, how about you? I'm it's doing good, man. It's it's doing good. It is myself, it, obviously. Is it? I'm excited to jump back into the Sam and Max world. Me too. Um, I uh, I realized as I was looking back through the comic that I think this may be the comic I've read more than any other comic in my life. This is coming from a man who just uh, released a book on comics. Right? It's true. That's I've, I've a, read a very brief comics. summary of the book. That's that's close enough. But your dissertation was on comics. A lot of your research and studies and masters and PhD were on comics. So you've read a couple comics in your time. A couple comics in my life. Um, a couple long boxes. Yeah, a couple yeah, of so long boxes. A few. That's that's the cool lingo, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so a few weeks ago, we released a podcast on Sam and Max, Hit the Road. You can just scroll down in your podcast listener of choice that you're listening to right now. Probably see that there uh, with our good friend, Sean Thompson, who joined us and played that game with us. And we gave each other hints. We gave Sean hints. Let's be honest. Yeah. 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 No, we had it. Um, <laughs> I, yeah. I solved the game without any hints at all. So. It's not the toughest game ever. Not at all. <laughs> we weren't stuck on it for 30 years. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, but as much as we love that game, we didn't quite get our Sam and Max fix in that quick hour-long episode. So uh, we decided to spend some time, do a little more research, uh, kind of dedicate some more extracurricular time, and do a special episode just on kind of the history of Sam and Max as a whole, outside of just Hit the Road. Uh, and there is a lot more to Sam and Max than just a video game, right? Absolutely. Uh, so much more. Uh, comic books. Um Collected comic books, a TV show, uh, other video games, some that even exist and some that don't, plush dolls. Uh, and you can buy the very first Sam & Max comic ever, at least the first published one, for $45 on Amazon right now. 45 I thought it was like 300 bucks. I know, right? Wow. I would have thought it would be a lot more. One. It's probably well, the signed one. I'm sure they're all uh, going to sell out now. Yeah, exactly. Because there, there were only four copies. Make sure I buy a couple before I release the podcast. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so let's not spoil everything. Uh, let's go back in time. Uh, to the 1970s where young Dave and Steve Purcell were growing up. I don't know where. That would have added a nice little setting and nuance to the story. But uh, when they were kids, uh, Dave was the older brother. Is that correct? Uh, Dave was the younger brother. Dave was the younger brother. I'm going to say with absolute confidence, Kenosha, Wisconsin. Um, I have no reason to believe that that's where they're from. I like it. I like it. Whatever Wikipedia says. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, Dave would draw doodles of a cartoon rabbit and cartoon dog. Uh, and just kind of leave the drawings around the house, I guess, or in his notebooks or whatever, Steve would come along and change these drawings. And my guess is there's more to the story here, and he was probably defacing them. That's what I yeah. would have done if you left drawings around the house. No, but but you need to switch it around because <laughs> it's what I would have done if you left drawings around. Oh, there you go. Because Dave was the, the younger big, brother. That's a good call. That's a good call. Which makes me think it's, it's really a jerk move. Right. Uh, I, I hope that Dave and Steve get along. Like, wow, that's oh, rough. Yeah. I'm assuming that they're on good terms. I think so. I think they're fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I guess uh, you know, he would add storylines and hilarious antics and add explosions and guns and 
vulgar language and stuff to his brother's just simple drawings of rabbits and dogs is what I'm getting from my understanding of it. Uh, yeah. But eventually as teenagers, Dave signed over all the rights to Sam and Max uh, to Steve as a birthday present. as just kind of like a family joke. Is, was my understanding. Was that yours too? Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, I although like, hey, I love you this like these more, more than I do. I love this as a much more tragic story. You know, Dave invented these two characters. He really cared about them. Steve just, you know, crapped all over them. Yeah. And after years and years and years, Dave finally just gave up and said, fine, you can have them. Just, just stop. Just stop. Yeah. Dave came home after a long day of herding sheep and he was really hungry. And yeah. Steve had made this large pot of soup. The usurper. He said, he said to Esau, no, I got biblical there for a second. There you go. <laughs> uh, but yeah. Then Steve Purcell went on to, to art school and then published his first Sam and Max comic right out of right out of art school at uh, Cal Arts. I'd like to point out. Oh, is that that's your favorite art school? I believe. Yeah. Oh well, I don't know if it's my favorite, but I I used to uh, live in that town. Oh yeah, yeah. Is it Valencia, Santa mm-hmm. Clarita? I don't know which one it's in. They're all the same. It might have been Castaic. Mm, beautiful the valley. Got a lot. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that was Sam and Max Freelance Police. That was the series and the first comic. The first issue that was published was monkeys violating the heavenly temple in 1987 which is just a beautiful name for a first release of a comic yeah yeah and they just got better from then on out night of the gilded heron shark yep Uh, wow yeah some great names man yeah uh but yeah as soon after that he got a job working at lucas arts doing um art Fresh out of art school. That makes sense. Yeah, it all adds up. Uh, doing backgrounds, doing covers. He did the cover for all the Monkey Islands, for Sam and Max. He did the cover for, oh, I don't have the list in front of me, but a lot of those old covers are just Steve Purcell originals, and they're just amazing paintings that stand the test of time. They look great. And he did in-game art as well, a lot of the backgrounds. Uh, I remember um, uh, Fate of Atlantis, he did a lot of backgrounds for. I can't remember which other games off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, yeah. And got a whip for research. Yeah, he got a whip, which is obviously he used all the time in his matte paintings. I don't know. Absolutely. <laughs> but for those of you who don't know who Sam and Max are, we should probably do a quick explanation. Uh, Sam is an anthropomorphic dog. Max is a um, angry, crazy lagomorph. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Or as the back of the book says, uh, Sam is a canine Seamus and Max is a hyperkinetic rabbity thing. There you go. I like it. Yeah, and I think the, the one of the descriptions I read was Sam is the traditional kind of noir film lead type character who wears a suit, talks like Dick Tracy with like, yeah, see, kind of accent all the time, leads the investigation, does most of the, the crime solving, I guess, mystery solving, and then Max is his little sidekick who solves a few of the things, does a lot of more of the crime fighting aspect, and it's more of the rigs from lethal weapon type off the wall, never know what you're going to yeah. get kind of character. Yeah, Purcell has said that he sees Max as just pure id. Yeah. Um, you know, lots of just energy, doing whatever he wants without thinking of the consequences. Yeah. And I think something that sets them apart from all of the rest of LucasArts, as well as a lot of comic books, especially in the 80s, would be just how foul-mouthed and adult content-y filled they yeah. are. Yeah. It's, it's a really you nice into? blend. Because you, you read that as a kid. Oh, yeah. I got in trouble at school for having uh, <laughs> Sam and Max. Um, oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Teacher took it. Uh, and then my mom took it. And uh, that's how it ended up got, getting beat to crap. So this, uh, this nice signed copy I have in my hand that no one can see but Ben. Yeah. It's beautiful. Um, how yeah, many times do you think mom read that days. to get it that way? <sighs> Two or three, probably. Yeah. yeah I mean, she was, she was pretty into it, you know? Yeah. 
Um, yeah, they are foul mouth, but it's not um, it's not the foul mouth that you'd think of. It's not you know dropping f bombs or any kind of bombs left and right. It's more conceptually disturbing. Um, yeah, nice. All right, so getting back to LucasArts, started working there in '88 uh, and started writing for their magazine, which I've started collecting, uh, called The Adventurer, which was the LucasArts. Uh, I think it was quarterly magazine. Yeah. Uh, well, month. Whenever a game came out, I don't know. Maybe that's what it was. Not enough. Um, I know that much. Name, now, the adventure named after Sam and Max's car, which was a DeSoto adventurer. Whoa. Um, didn't now, know that. The math doesn't add up there, uh, but they are both called that. I like it. I like it. Definitely one was named after the other, or they had nothing to do with each other. Either way. Well, are, you saying, are you saying the magazine was named before the car? <laughs> we'll never know. There's no way we could ever know. Any amount of research or talking to people involved, we could never know. Uh, but yeah, uh, Purcell drew comic strips in, I think almost every episode, every episode, every issue of the adventure. Uh, and he drew not only Sam and Max cartoons, but uh, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, Monkey Island, full throttle cartoons and his own kind of style, which kind of gave him this cool, I don't know, twist to the original artwork. Um, which yeah, I've started collecting and they definitely, I mean, it's just, it, they're not normal cartoons, you know what I mean? They yeah. just seem like they're high end artwork. And he would often blend Sam and Max into the story of whatever uh, game was coming out yeah. then. So I remember Sam and Max on the Death Star, uh, Sam and Max getting kidnapped by pirates, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Yep. And then the, the comic you were holding in your hand is the 1995 uh, collected works of Sam and Max, which is Sam and Max Surfing the Highway, uh, which is all of the, the published works but at the time. And that was all, so I, also it was all the comics plus all the ones that were included in the, in the adventure, all the strips. So I was 14 at the time, and it was incredibly influential on me. Uh, shaped my my young malleable mind. Yep, that's where you got your foul mouth from. Probably. <clears throat> and then uh, two years later, I don't, do you remember this at all? The, they adapted the well, I don't know if they, they adapted it into oh, the cartoon? cartoon series. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it was absolutely. on Fox. It, it ran like a season. It was like 20, mm-hmm. 24 episodes. The Adventures of Sam and Max: Freelance Police didn't last very long. I think it was this weird niche between. Here's a cartoon on Fox, which, especially in the 90s, had to be for kids. This is pre-Adult Swim. and But it was an adultish type, uh, you know, humor without so the foul language. So 1997. Yeah. Yeah. So it predated Family Guy by, what, two years? I think so. So just, just a little bit ahead of its time in that it's it's a little similar humor um, dark, probably not as tasteless. Same network too. Um, yeah. But yeah, no swearing, no violence, no guns, all three things that family guy were, you know, they were able to get after a couple of years yep. and they were pushing the limits and Sam and Max was definitely not pushing the limits. Um, no, content wise, not the cartoon. It was not, no. no, they were barely able to get on. So, uh, and then, uh, obviously uh, hit the road came out in 1993. I believe we covered that again, scroll down and listen to that one. If you want to get more into that, but the, uh, the came out again. to what's that? The video game. Yeah, sorry. The video game came out in 1993, um, and it just you know was highly acclaimed. It still totally holds up as one of the greatest point-and-click adventure games of definitely of the 90s. And then I don't know. I did not know this until I did the research, but there was a sequel to Sam and Max that was partially made. I think we talked about this. In the it was podcast. almost completely made. Yeah. Yeah. 2002 to 2004. So 10 years later, uh, and they had. They ran a couple of versions of it, I think, at a conference. They were they had playable demos and everything. And in 2004, LucasArts came to them and said, eh, sorry, we're going to have to cancel the game. And that apparently was one of the big things that kind of pushed a lot of people out. 
and that soon after, um, Telltale Games began. <laughs> sure, totally yep, yep. unrelated. Coincidence. And then they started making Sam and Max video games. <laughs> yep. <laughs> totally, again, unrelated, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, the, the licensing deal uh, between Purcell and uh, LucasArts ran out in, I want to say, 2005. Uh, and there was a petition in 2004. They got 32,000 signatures from Sammy Max fans saying that they wanted that LucasArts game to at least be released or finished. And it just, because it's it's George, so he kind of does what he wants. Who knows if he even knows who Sammy Max are? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> Well, they're the people who destroyed uh, <laughs> LucasArts. Uh, that's who Sam and Max are. Exactly. Ripped it apart. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's that was the initial uh, kind of run of those. Ser- and now they're kind of famous for it. Telltale Games for doing the serialized video games. Uh, they did Sam and Max Save the World 2006, uh, which is kind of considered to be the, the video game industry's first successful episodic gaming, which you know came out in five or six parts. And you do one part. A couple months later, the second part comes out kind of very much like comic issues would. So I'm sure Steve Purcell loved that. Uh, 2007 was uh, Beyond Time and Space, and then 2010 was The Devil's Playhouse. All of them were good games. We'll probably play them eventually on the podcast, but none of them were quite as acclaimed as as Hit the Road, I think, because the reviews I read recently just said they the puzzles were easier and the storylines just weren't quite as effective. They didn't kind of spin quite as well as the originals did. Well, and the voices were wrong. I mean, if you grew up with the original Sam yeah. and Max voices, yeah. a, anyone who who messes with it at all, it's like uh, wrong-sounding Muppets. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, man. Yikes! Uh, in two thousand seven, this is the one, the version I have of um, Surf on the Highway came out as the reprinted twentieth uh, anniversary. Is that what that is? That's a ten-year uh, anniversary. Whew. I don't know what anniversary that would be. Twelve-year anniversary? No, uh, two thousand seven is twentieth anniversary of the initial comic. Oh, that's what it is. Thank you. <laughs> anniversary of 1987 oh yeah and that was they added a couple more things to this version and it was they had art by steve purcell uh and also by jake rodkin co-founder of campo santo of firewatch thanks bring it all together that's cool he all published it with telltale games um who you know they went on to do walking dead game of thrones we we did game of thrones back in november december so check that out if you're interested in, in playing one of their games uh, but that ended up also winning the Eisner Award at Comic-Con, which is the comic industry awards that they hold at Comic-Con every year. Yeah. And uh, something really important actually happened. Uh, I believe that same Comic-Con or the one after, uh, which is you and I met and interviewed Steve Purcell. A much bigger deal than anyone winning an Eisner Award. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it was, a, you know, we videotaped the interview. It went really well. Jason wrote an article about it. Um, it went on to win multiple, multiple awards to anyone that could hear the audio that unfortunately, no one. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately. no one because we're so smart and we recorded out on, I think on the San Diego conference center balcony, Yep, uh, where it was a little windy and I don't really remember what happened. All I remember is that James Rowland, the man responsible for the video footage said that he threw it all away. Yeah. I think he said he burned it. He, I think so. Burned it. Just watched it burn. He threw it into the mouth of a volcano. Uh, Blood Drive coming out next month from Hey-o. James Rowland. Blood Drive. Check it out. Check it out. Sci-fi uh, channel. Yep. Yep. Uh, and then the last comic that I was able to to find, I don't think there's been anything in the last 10 years, but that was uh, Sam and Max, a webcomic called The Big Sleep, uh, hosted on Telltale's website. So he's all about you know Telltale now and they have the license. I don't know if they still do, but they did at the time, uh, which also 
won an Eisner Award because Steve Purcell, whatever he touches, turns to gold apparently these days. He's pretty great. Yeah. So a big part of our, our childhood. We figured we'd share that with you. Um, if we have anything else, we might tack on to this episode, but I think that's kind of all we have for now. you have anything else on Sam and Max? Um, just go read some of the comics. Uh, there's yeah. lots of ways to do it. A few of them are online, like Ben said, but um, go pick up a copy of the collected Sam and Max, Surfing the Highway Anniversary Edition. Uh, you won't regret it. Would you say it holds up as far as just, I mean, is it a you know, a piece of 1988, a piece of 1995, or, I mean, it's about a dog and a, a rabbit, right? So I don't know how much that is topical. For me, it's very 1970s, late 70s, early 80s, uh, in that it's oh, already that, looking backwards. That's that um, noir feel, too. Yeah, and it's it's got some nostalgia to it. Um, everything everything is dirty, everything is gross in it, um, in, in this kind of way that, I don't know, the, the 70s and 80s were still kind of gross before yeah. things got a little bit cleaner in the 90s. Yeah, they were. Um, and, um, but it's, it's looking back at that in a fun way. Um, so it's, it's fun. It's funny. Uh, if you were alive at that time or shortly thereafter or aware that other times exist, uh, yeah, check it out. It definitely, I think the humor definitely holds up. It's, yeah. it's really, really funny. And there's not a lot of, you know, in jokes. You don't have to know the political landscape of the 1980s to get it or anything, you know? Sweet. Yeah. So thanks for joining us on the side quest. One uh, last. Oh. Well, oh, I'm sorry. I just remembered. Yeah. One last piece of information. Um, Sam and Max play a game called Fizzball. Yep. And in Surfing the Highway, there are a series of instructions on how to play. Nice. It involves um, beer, uh, throwing beer cans in the air and hitting them with a bat. Uh, and you get points for different things that the beer can do when you hit it with a bat. Right. Uh, you should also be drinking cans of beer between hitting it uh, are in the instructions. And what I. I found out today, and I was so excited to find out, is that uh, Steve Purcell actually played this game and uh, created the rules. And he played this game with Art Adams and Mike Mignola. Uh, Mignola yes. uh, created um, Hellboy. Uh, Art Adams, also a um, prolific, legendary uh, comic artist. So it's, <laughs> I just love the idea of these these three comics, you know, Mount Rushmore figures playing fizzball. Um yeah, it's kind of that's awesome. Kind of perfect. That's fantastic. And we will leave you with that. Uh, thanks again for joining us, and we will see you again soon on Men of Low Moral Fiber. Shadow. Shadow.